So with um, Stephanie Sorrell's book, um, you can pick that up from your local library more often than not. I've got copies. And if, if reading in particular is a way for you um, that you find that a, a good way to learn, then I'd highly recommend it. It's a very well written but also very easy to read book. So there's nothing about it that's too scary if reading is something that you can... Um, you know, A, enjoy, but B, get something out of. But for other people, reading is definitely not their thing, and I completely understand that. So we're going to talk a little bit about what um, Stephanie was talking about in her book and the hopes that it can be accessible to those people who are less likely to pick up a book. So one of the things that she starts with in her, in her book, Depression, Understanding the Black Dog, is this idea that... Um, really depression is easiest to understand as being the opposite of something and the opposite is uh, feeling at home with ourselves uh, at being in a natural state of happiness um, getting purpose and meaning and values from the things around us like family and relationships so if we think about that as being I guess the opposite to depression depression is all the things that that isn't. It means not having purpose and meaning. It's not feeling at home with ourselves. It's not feeling like our natural state is really getting the best out of what's going on around us and vice versa. So we're, we can be impacted by both our sense of belonging and our environment. Um, and that can be happening in all kinds of ways. But for people struggling with depression, a lot of that stuff um, can feel quite big. And so to really get a handle on what depression is, we can go through what Stephanie talks about in terms of some of her symptoms. And I think these are just really simple, helpful ways of thinking about depression, both for um, you to kind of recognize in yourself if that's something that you feel like might um, be impacting you, but also you might recognize this in people around you, um, particularly loved ones, people that you're close with. And it might be able, might be a, a way to start thinking about what's going on for them and, and the reality that they're living with at the moment. So for um, people who are depressed, they often feel like there is a, a sense of impending doom. So that's kind of this feeling that really bad stuff is coming and there's not much they can do about it. Um, there's also... Uh, a way uh, a number of people who struggle with um, feelings of low self-worth are not worth anything they're not good enough that kind of thing there's irritability guilt uh, self-criticism mood swings that's the uh, one as well that they might not be down and low all the time but they might swing between these quite different moods quite easily and for a lot of people who are depressed there there is this um kind of pathway to alcohol and drugs and other unhelpful behaviors in order to numb those feelings so alcohol being probably the biggest um, issue for people with depression in terms of the thing that they lean on um, because it's also a depressant and so they are kind of adding adding these extra sort of issues on top of what they're already facing short-term wins with long-term negatives if that makes sense 
People might also struggle with sleeplessness and, and definitely if they are turning to alcohol and drugs to deal with their depression, sleeplessness is a big part of what comes for people who use alcohol and drugs. So again, they might use alcohol and drugs to initially go to sleep because they have difficulty with sleep, uh, but then are up at sort of uh, early hours of the morning, one, two in the morning, not being able to sleep, restless and the like. So again, short-term gain for long-term pain. So they, they might also struggle with a loss of appetite, low self-esteem, forgetfulness. That's one that we see a lot. People just not really engage with the world around them. And so they forget little bits and pieces that are ha that's happening there. Um, they might feel a need to isolate themselves. And sometimes um, we've got to recognize the difference between isolating them, isolating ourselves to as maybe as an introvert to, to restore energy or to keep ourselves safe versus isolating ourselves in conjunction or alongside some of these other things that are maybe speaking more to, to depression. The other one that's a, a big issue for people who suffer from depression is um, being unmotivated, unmotivated, sorry, and so they're feeling lethargic and the idea of doing anything is really, really hard. Um, and so if you or people you know um, or are close to, if you, you sort of see some of the stuff, um, that might be speaking to depression. And it might be something that is worth thinking about yourself or having a conversation with someone close to you about and um, explaining, I guess, that there are a number of symptoms that you or they are feeling that might be uh, telling telling you that, that depression is an issue. Now for um, for Stephanie, who's the author of the book, and for a lot of people who work in this world, there's a whole bunch of the different things that you can do to help with your depression or with your, um, with your family member's depression or your loved one's depression. And the first step really is having those conversations, listening, being involved to in those conversations in a ways that are supportive and helpful. So obviously many of us, myself included, want to come in and fix stuff. They We want to come in with uh, solutions. And so that is a bit of a natural urge for me, definitely. And so when people might want to open up about, hey, I'm feeling this way, I'm feeling lethargic, I've got not a lot of hope, I'm feeling like maybe I've got depression, a lot of us want to go, have you tried, you know, would you consider going to a counsellor? Have you tried running a lot? And it's really, really helpful to think about things like um, how we can help our friends and family members with depression, but maybe coming in with solutions right away isn't the best move. So I'd really recommend in those conversations just to try and do some listening for a bit. I'd really recommend trying to empathise as much as we can with the people who are opening up to us. And when we maybe agree that it's time to look at what we can do about it. That might be when we want to jump in with solutions. One of those solutions, particularly for those people who are suffering, maybe not all of those symptoms, but some of them, um, is to start talking about things like counselling. And for uh, people who suffer from depression, counselling therapy, and particularly the, the cognitive behavioural um, theories, so CBT, um, are really good ways of addressing some of this stuff. Um, the idea that we 
there are many, many people who suffer from depression and other mental health concerns um, suffer because of a particular event or series of events is one that's um, been tried and tested throughout our research and understanding of mental health. So there's this idea of um, what is often referred to as reactive depression. So your body and mind is reacting to an event or series of events. And so for some people, that's things like childhood trauma. Um, it might be grief. It might be the, you know, the loss of someone very close to you. Um, it might be the loss of a job, the loss of a relationship. Um, it could be actually a number of things piling on top of each other in a shorter space of time that um, maybe builds into something to be, you know, to be quite heavy. And then as a result, we start feeling some of these negative things. And for that kind of situation where, um, where we're kind of maybe starting to see ourselves irritable, lethargic, sleepless, all those, these sorts of um, symptoms we've talked about, and we think about them in a deep way, we can often come to uh, these ideas or these places in our memory where we think, ah, yeah, that is because of some of the things that I've, that I've experienced. So it might be, of course I'm feeling this way, I've just broken up with my long-term partner. Of course I'm feeling this way, I've just lost my job. And so I'm feeling really down on myself. And that we would often refer to as, like I say, reactive depression. So with that, therapy and counselling um, and even the, a good conversation with people close to you or a number of conversations close to you, that can be really helpful for moving people um, through those feelings and understanding what it was that happened um, and giving yourself the awareness to choose how you're going to react to that. I think for some people the idea of counselling and therapy is a little bit scary. We think that that is for people who are crazy. We think um, that it is for people who are weak. Um, and there's a lot of negative sort of thoughts and stereotypes out there for people who go into counselling or go in for therapy. And I think that's real. It's really sad actually because we know that counselling and therapy really help people from all kinds of backgrounds, um, dealing with all kinds of things. So I would really encourage people to think long and hard about why you might have negative thoughts towards uh, something like counselling or therapy and where they might be coming from when, especially in more recent times, we've got all kinds of research that, that suggests pretty strongly that therapy and counselling is a, a positive healing uh, thing for many, many people. So... Um, taking that step though is hard and, and nobody's suggesting that it's it's easy to just suddenly go, okay, cool, I'm going to go to therapy this afternoon. There's lots of reasons why that might be difficult. Um, but I would strongly, if you, uh, initial thought is no counselling, no therapy, no, I don't want to do that. I would encourage you to think really hard as to why that might be and what might be holding you back. And is that something that you can... Um, move past. I had uh, a young guy that I was working with for a while who he was open to having the conversation with me about going to counselling but his he was pretty negative about actually doing it. Eventually the thing that seemed to make a difference to him was when I uh, 
I likened it a bit to his favorite hobby, which was cars. So it's all very well and good tinkering with your own car. And guys who love cars, that's that's kind of their jam in so many ways. But your brain isn't just your Toyota Corolla. Your brain is a supercar. Your brain belongs um, with Mercedes and F1. And if you think that you can tinker away with the F1 cars and have the same result as a professional or an expert, then good luck to you, awesomeness. But for most of us, we know that tinkering with our own car can get us only so far, and that some things we need a professional mechanic. And if we're dealing with a supercar like our brain is, we need experts. And so that's how I think about um, counselling and therapy for people is, our brain really sometimes just needs an expert to get the fixing and help that it needs. And so, like I say, I would encourage you to think about why you might be anti that idea. And if you're not, then fantastic. Go and get that supercar looked at as soon as possible. Obviously, depending on what's going on at, uh, when you're listening to this, getting into a therapist isn't always easy and it takes time and that is hard. So, so there's some other bits and pieces that we can talk about that might be helpful while you're waiting to get into that world. The other thing, uh, the, probably the first thing to do is to get in touch with your local GP. They can put you in touch with uh, counsellors and therapists, which is a good thing. But for some people, counselling and therapy isn't going to be enough. And medication might be something that they need to consider as well. Uh, basically, the idea with depression is that all your brain stuff is getting really negatively impacted by what's going on so you're not thinking straight and you know that when you see it in yourself and others that you're not thinking straight therapy can be really helpful for that but sometimes we need medication to put our brain back to square so that we're willing and able to learn from our new therapy and our new counseling and new exercises and so our gp can talk to us about medication and medication won't be for anyone for everyone either um, but it's something to talk to your GP about as an option. Some of the more, the less kind of invasive stuff, I guess, the less serious stuff to do is really simple stuff. It's around reconnecting with your body. And so that's for a lot of people, that's exercise. And for a lot of people, that is not necessarily going for a half marathon this afternoon. Um, that's not necessarily going to the gym, but it's working with your own understanding of your body as to what you can do so for some people that might just be um, some a, a slow walk for some people that might be stretching um, whatever you think you can do to reconnect with your body I'd recommend that you find some time and some space to do that and obviously reaching out to others friends family and explaining what's going what's going on um, and the more that we can reach out, listen, um, and have those conversations, the more we'll find things um, kind of coming to the surface. So that might be for ourselves, uh, some of those events that have, have led to this sort of reactive depression that we talk about, or it might be that we're finding actually our, our friends, our family, our, our closest people are going through something similar or have done and know exactly what we're going through and might be able to offer... Um, a supportive shoulder but also some of these tips that help them if we're feeling up to that stuff too so reaching out to friends and family is a really 
good way of, of starting that journey too. So um, once you have sort of thought about those few things, um, they some of them will land for you and some of them won't. Um, you might be able to encourage yourself and, and others to start making the steps or, or, or agreeing to goals around starting to look at this, um, this issue of depression. So that might be, hey, I'm, I'm willing to meet with you on Friday to go for a walk. That might be your first step. And if that's your first step, then fantastic. And it might be something more than that because you might be in a position where doing more than that is quite possible. So actually, I'm going to my GP tomorrow afternoon to talk about medication and, and referrals, and I'm going to join a gym, and I know that my um, alcohol issue, my alcohol has become an issue, so I'm going to cut down on, on my alcohol intake. I'm going to only drink um, in social settings, for example, or I'm only going to drink um, one standard drink in an evening or something like that. So you know, you'll know where you're at and what is achievable, um, and it will be different for everybody. What the important thing is to do is if those goals are not achieved straight away, that's not the end of the world, that's not a big deal. We might need to reset different goals, or we might just need to have another go at those goals that they haven't worked the first time, not a big deal. We just pick up and we start again. So thinking about that stuff, we um, can then move into slowly making bigger and bigger goals and, and achieving them as we move through. But I really want to stress that those first steps are definitely the hardest. Definitely uh, it's easy for me on this side of things to be able to say, hey, have you considered you know, going for a walk? When I know when I was in the thick of, of um, my own mental health battles, the idea of going for a walk was, um, was just insane. I would have probably felt like that is a mountain to climb so we've got to think about stuff in in context of what we're going through too so i really want to encourage people to to give themselves achievable goals and think about things that are reality for them let's not pretend that we're gonna um, magically cure ourselves by you know going for a walk either so it's it's long-term progress long-term progress so for um, our situation with the depression, understanding the Black, Black Dog book, um, Stephanie goes through a whole bunch of different things that are worth considering. And one of them might be uh, how our body is impacted by the weather. Because when we're setting these goals, it's, it's all very well and good to say, hey, I'm going to go for a walk because I know that getting in touch with my body is going to help with this stuff. But actually, it's the middle of winter and it's raining most days and I it's cold and it's miserable. So, um, you know, chances of me doing that are pretty low. Um, Stephanie would also suggest that biologically we have like an inner climate and our, our body has a way of... Um, being connected to nature's cycles so we need to do things that make sense to the world around us as well so um, for for the tangata whenua that might be maramataka and this understanding of doing things when the moon is in the tangaroa phase for example um, and for other people that might just be simply understanding that it's summer and it's hot as hot as anything and the chances of me going outside and working out on a hot day are uh, pretty slim. So what can I do? 
uh, that's going to work for me. And it might be, like I was saying, some quiet stretching in a cool morning or um, simply making sure I'm having those phone calls with family until the seasons and the outside world are aligned with how I feel inside in order to make the next step. The last thing that I will cover off today um, is from Stephanie's book that I think is really, really interesting, is that there is this view on medication that it's either going to, and like I said before, medication is not for everybody, but I just wanted to touch on this before we finish up. Um, when I was first encouraged to go on to medication, I was really anti that idea, and I know a lot of people um, have been as well. I've supported a number of people over, over the years who are looking or discussing this idea of going on medication for their mental health, and that might be depression, or it might be anxiety, bipolar disorder, a whole bunch of stuff, right? So one of the things that Stephanie um, raises, and I completely agree with, is this idea that if we start our medication and it doesn't seem to work straight away, that a lot of people would quit. The main message for, for me is to stay on the medication once you've started, because it takes time. And for people who are unsure about whether or not they want to go on medication, that is totally understandable. Keep having those conversations. But I'd really encourage you to, to look into what it is that you are considering taking because most of the medication these days works with very specific neurotransmitters. This isn't stuff that's going to knock you out. This isn't the, the stuff of one flew over the cuckoo's nest or... Um, anything that's going to really knock you over, this is stuff that's going to lead to higher functioning for you. So don't feel like this is going to turn you into a zombie. Once you start, if it doesn't immediately give you the sense of relief you're hoping for, stick with it. Time is your best friend with this stuff. And most importantly, if you're really unsure as to what's happening next with medication, talk to a medical professional, talk to your GP, talk to a mental health professional, talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about when it comes to medication. The last thing you need to do is to talk to Uncle John who thinks uh, that um, all medication is bad and suddenly that reinforces your idea that this particular medication is bad you already know what Uncle John's going to say. So go and talk to a GP, somebody who's studied this stuff, somebody who knows it inside and out, and make sure you get an informed opinion before you make any strong decisions about medication. Okay, so that is the main stuff I wanted to cover today about depression. It is a, a mental health issue that affects a lot of people, but it really impacts uh, the suicide situation, which is which men, and particularly young men, are disproportionately represented in. So it's a real issue for guys. Um, and I think there's this this belief that guys don't want to talk too, and we think that guys won't seek counselling, they won't seek therapy because it's not a guy way of doing things. So that might add to those numbers, but I strongly suggest that we have the real, that men across the board have a real strong sense of what 
needs to happen and they might need some support and some encouragement to get into the right places for them but they definitely are not a lost cause we are not um, going to sit around and let depression and suicide take over because that's not who we are so that's really I guess where I wanted to leave it today thank you for listening thank you for um, coming along this journey with us if you're going to stick with us at Outstretched Hand um, we really hope to make um, you the difficulties that people are facing as um, as workable as possible and really encourage, like I said, that's talking to experts to get the best information to make your decisions. I think that's me for today. Thank you again and we'll talk to you next time. Kia hello, welcome, my name is Hayden Pike, I am coming to you from the world of Outstretch Hand. We are a charitable trust and a relatively new organisation looking to help men and their whanau who are experiencing family violence, addictions, suicidal ideation and other behavioural problems and our hope is to offer some support, some information and some ideas to tackle some of those issues that are impacting our community. Uh, so a little bit about me, I am uh, an individual who works both for Outstretch Hand and for another well-known charity um, that supports fam- uh, people involved in family violence and I have been working with mostly men but women also for the last 12 or 13 years in family violence but also all the other things that impact um, family violence. So that is the stuff like addictions and um, mental health issues, depression, and those things all come together, I guess, for a lot of people who are going through the through the uh, difficulties of family violence. So I guess you could say I have some experience because I've been doing this work for so long, um, and my own personal journey has meant that I have also come up against difficulties like mental health issues so I have um, a real vested interest in helping men with that stuff too and I am a firm believer that our men who are using violence are primarily doing that because of a lot of different reasons but primarily because of their own difficulties and coping with some of the things that have happened in their lives and unfortunately for everyone involved they are resorting to violence with the people that they care about um, in order to establish control and in order to uh, get things done in a way that works for them and so uh, unfortunately by doing that everybody suffers both physically emotionally mentally and often in other ways as well so um, this isn't to this isn't a an organization or, or a, um, an idea that's relatively um, blame heavy we're not trying to point fingers at anybody in particular but we do have to acknowledge that our current um, society of Aotearoa New Zealand places um, very strong values on what well, I guess the ideas of around what it is to be a man and some of those ideas uh, are really really harmful and so we want to look at that stuff too because it's the societal kind of structures that um, see men in this kind of superior role versus women that are really dangerous um, they lead to 
these negative feel, um, feelings and actions of family violence along with all kinds of other things. So we're going to keep um, that in the back of our mind today because one of the things that we're going to really focus on is a little bit more tangible. It's a little bit more um, easy to get our head around, I think, than maybe some of those big structural sort of society things. So if you're willing to hang around for a little bit, we're going to talk about uh, an issue that really impacts men in a big way, and particularly men who use violence, and definitely the people around them who are the victims of violence, and that is depression. So depression um, is a widely covered topic, so we're probably going to cover ground that has been covered in other places uh, before, but hopefully there'll be stuff that you can take away uh, from today. So we are going to be basing today's conversation uh, quite heavily on Stephanie Sorrell's book, uh, Depression, Understanding the Black Dog. So that has... Um, been out for a little while now but it's a really helpful tool for people trying to understand depression Um, it first came out in 2014 and has been utilized across the board by people who are going through depression as well as people trying to help those with depression so it's a really helpful tool and it's going to be the basis of our, our conversation today So if you're open to learning and thinking about that kind of stuff, and we hope we do it in a way that's helpful for you, then stick around for the next little bit. Thanks.